Good morning, Renewal. Praise the Lord. We are worshiping here. Good to see all of you here this morning. I trust that all of you got the emails and the notifications for our change of location, and I'm glad that you are able to find this place okay. It's truly a good, good day to be worshiping the Lord together. Amen? Amen. Well, yesterday morning, uh, the principal of St. Catherine School emailed me uh, and forwarded me a notice that she had received from the Lower Marion Township. And along with that letter, she wrote, I am working on this right now, but I am concerned about tomorrow. The notice from the township read, Dear Principal Gould, her last name, it has come to our attention that St. Catherine Day School is allowing a church group to hold services in the school building. Uh, this is considered an expansion of approved educational use of the property, and therefore the church services must cease immediately. And the rest of the notice goes on with various zoning codes and regulations and steps that the school needs to take to make sure that it does approve us to use that place for a place of worship. And the school obviously is very apologetic to us, very sincerely apologetic, and they say they're going to take whatever necessary steps to resolve uh, all of this. But until then, uh, we don't know where we will be worshiping this coming Sunday. Uh, we'll hear back from them in a couple of days, hopefully tomorrow from the school, uh, whether we'll be worshiping there at St. Catherine's, uh, perhaps here, but we'll definitely keep all of you notified as soon as we find out. And as all of you receive, I notified our church about this change of location. At the end of that notice, I concluded by saying, this is a stark reminder of what we've been learning these past months, that there will most certainly be opposition that arises whenever a new gospel work begins. I sincerely believe that it is not coincidence that this situation arose the day before our official launch service at St. Catherine's. You know, when we bring up the reality of spiritual warfare, the passage that we turn to most is Ephesians 6, verse 12. It reads, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Then it goes to list all these various pieces of armor that the Christian must have on their bodies. And one of the pieces of armor is the shield of faith. And more and more as I meditate on this, I'm coming to realize how important it is to have this shield of faith. Because that shield, it's the first line of defense, isn't it? Before all the other pieces of armor protects you, the first thing that goes out in front of you is this shield of faith. And I'm understanding why it's so important for this shield of faith to be established in our lives. Why? Because when things like these situations happen, when suffering comes your way, when difficulties come, what's the first question we ask? Why? What's going on? And our minds are frantically searching for things to make sense of things. And we're going to need faith. 
Because that faith is going to make a world of a difference of how we are to process these things and how you are to process whatever comes your way. Suffering, difficulties. We're going to need faith to believe that this isn't just bad luck. We're going to need faith to believe it's not just that the school just made a mistake. We're going to need faith to believe that it is not any of these reasons that God is not for our church, God is against us, or God is not in control, or God doesn't love us. It requires faith. Our passage this morning teaches us how to have the shield of faith to protect us from these kinds of conclusions. And as a church, for all of you individually, when you do face various kinds of suffering and difficulty in your life because of your decision to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to need this faith to make sense of things. And I pray that this passage will teach us how we are to move forward as we hold on to this shield of faith. Amen? Let's pray as we study this word. Father, we pray for that faith now as we study your word, as we make sense of things. May we not trust in our own judgment, our own minds and intellect, but may we trust in your word on what your word tells us on how to make sense of these things and what to believe. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit. Come, open our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Well, there are many, many changes this morning, change of location, if you notice the sermons in the beginning, and we'll just go along with that route, many changes. So instead of three points, we'll have six. <laughs> so we'll add on to that. So we'll have six, and I'm going to have six answers. Six answers to that question, why? Why did this happen? Why did we get this email yesterday? And we're going to just go through those six questions, and I'm going to give six answers. Number one, why did this happen? God will not allow us to have a calculated view of what it means to follow Christ or a calculated view of what the church is supposed to be like. That's my answer number one. Stephen here, he's an appointed deacon and leader of the church. He is full of grace and power doing great wonders and signs among the people. And as we've been learning what's going to happen, gospel opposition, right? And that certainly does come this way, his way, led by those in the synagogue. They come and they try to stop him from preaching this gospel. The freedmen, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, those from Cilicia and Asia. And we established this in the book of Acts, but in this passage, it teaches us why they were so in, much in opposition, why they were so angry. Chapter 6, 14 tells us that they say, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. They were angry because Stephen, preaching that the Messiah is Jesus Christ and that he rose again from the dead, and that if you place your faith and trust in him, that you will have salvation. But for the Jews... Their salvation was the temple. That it was the temple where you can have access to God. 
You come to the temple, you perform these sacrifices, you do these rituals, and then God looks at what you do and he blesses you. That's the custom that they're holding onto. And here comes the gospel and says, it's not what you do. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. And when they heard that, they were enraged. They resisted. That's what Christianity is about. It's about us holding on to these things, letting them go. Right. When I first became a Christian, I thought it was a free ticket to heaven. I think one of you guys will understand that. It's not just about that, right? Very quickly, I found out that you have to read the Bible. <laughs> All right, I'll read the Bible. I'll spend a few minutes every day. I did that. Very quickly, I found out it's not just about reading Bible. You have to serve. All right, spend a few hours serving the church, maybe do this ministry. Later on, you find out you have to sacrifice die to self, carry the cross. And it's funny how in the beginning where you assume that Christianity is something, God always takes it to the next level, always stretches you, changes things up so that whatever calculated expectation you might have had of what it means to follow Christ, he does away with that. That's what Christianity is. That's the church. Because we might have expectations, calculated expectations of what renewal mainline is going to be. From our experiences, from our thoughts, church is going to be this. Church is going to be a time where I can come on Sunday and enjoy service, get fed spiritually, a place where my children can grow and learn all of these spiritual truths. And yes, and amen. To all of those things. But God is always going to stretch us. That next step. Yes and amen to all those things, but he is going to teach us what it means to sacrifice. Teach us what it means to stay together as a church. Things out of our control. Teach us how to commit to one another and not be so concerned with this question, how much is it going to cost me? What sacrifice do I have to make? And not let that be the question that drives how much you're invested in this gospel. But as your eyes are focused on him, he's going to keep inching closer and closer into your lives finding out the very things that you're holding on to so tightly, and he's going to challenge you and say, are you willing to let go of that for me? I don't know what expectations you might have had in this Christian life. Whatever expectations you might have had for our church. But I praise God that he will not let us be where we are And he is so sovereignly concerned with your life, he's always thinking about the next step for your good 
for his glory. When God comes closer, we can have two responses. The first response in our passage, we can be enraged. We can ground our teeth at God and say, not this. I'm so used to this. I don't want to let this go. I'll give you my Sundays. I'll give you my quiet times. I'll even give you some money. But not my life. Not my dreams. Not my children. Eyes of faith will determine how you respond. You can either be enraged or like Stephen. You look up and your eyes are so fixed on Christ. It's as if he's right next to you. Answer number one. The rest will be a lot shorter, I promise. Answer number two, why? To allow us to sympathize with other believers who are persecuted. To allow us to sympathize, to know what it means to be persecuted so that we can be united with those out there. This past month, we've been praying for the persecuted church. The past couple weeks, we've been using this app And every day, we've been praying for a different country. Yesterday was Sierra Leone. It says that in Sierra Leone, Christian converts are stoned and poisoned, and they have had their homes burned down. Pastors have been seriously beaten, and churches destroyed. After reading that, I stopped. And I tried to think. And I said, at least I now know a little bit, just a little bit of what that feels like. You know how I prayed for Sierra Leone yesterday? It was very different. I felt so close with those brothers and sisters at Sierra Leone. I don't know who they are. Just read stories on the news. Their Christian homes burned down. No place to worship. That's why God allows this to happen. So that we can sympathize with others who undergo this kind of persecution. Answer number three. To force us, and I'm intentionally using that word, force to force us to not hope in any man, building, or location, but to hope in Christ as the cornerstone of renewal mainline. We have no human being. We have no senior pastor. We have no building. It forces us to look to other things to ground this church. It forces us to not put our hope in one person. It forces us to not put our hope in our financial situation, not our hope in how our ministries are going, not our hope in any of these things. And God takes them away so that when we start as our church, the only thing we look at, cornerstone. He forces us because he is good. 
no hope in any legal contract, no financial situation, none of our ministries, because none of those will ground our identity as Renewal Mainline. Answer number four, to teach our church how to pray. Last night, a group of guys rented a U-Haul van. You can see it outside. And as they did, they packed all the stuff, all the stuff that you see this morning. And as we were doing so, I got a lot of text messages from many of you. Pastor Luke, uh, we're praying. Got a lot of text messages. One of the brothers I was with last night, he tells me, you know, if this is what it's going to take for us to pray for our church, then so be it. If this is what's going to take for our church to start praying for this church, then so be it. If it's going to take us to move from place to place, from Devon to Wynwood to King of Prussia to Roxborough every Sunday, but if it means that we're going to pray, so be it. Amen. Answer number five. To provide us an opportunity to teach others, even our children, about gospel persecution. If not already, your kids probably asked you, why are we going to St. Catherine's this morning? If not, they'll ask you on the way home. Why do we have church at Delaware County this morning? And I pray and I hope that you don't answer that question just by saying, just because. The school had some mix-up. It just happens. I pray that your answer will say, as Christians, these things are going to happen. And they're going to happen to us. They're going to happen to you. And this is a small taste of what it means to follow Christ. God's giving us an opportunity to teach others, ourselves, what it means to face persecution for the sake of Christ. The final answer, number six, God does this, why? To use suffering as a means for proclaiming the gospel. To use suffering as the means through which this gospel is going to be proclaimed. Our passage introduces a man that many of us know, becomes Apostle Paul. That Saul, he was there, he witnessed the first martyr of the church, Stephen. The witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul who later became Paul. And Paul firsthandedly saw not only the martyrdom of Stephen, but he saw how Stephen reacted to this martyrdom. How Stephen acted, responded to this persecution. People are watching how we're going to respond. There are people watching within our church, outside of our church. And the way we respond is going to be the very means through which we show others how great our God is. 
And after receiving the email yesterday morning, the principal called later that afternoon. I think she was avoiding me. I have sent her many texts. <laughs> Immediately, she was very apologetic. You know the first thing I said? Kathleen, are you okay? How are you doing? She was like, what? And she said, you should still worship at the school. We'll take whatever ramifications. It's on us. And I said, no. We don't want to jeopardize your relationship with the neighborhood. We'll find another place. When the handful of people went to the church last night and moved all this stuff, the secretary was there. A lot of our guys approached her and talked to her, and of course, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. She said, we know that tomorrow was going to be such a big day for your church. I told her, well, you know, there's going to be spiritual opposition, right? I assumed she was Christian. She wasn't. But she saw last night, she saw a team of devoted people from our church responding to this. Though we could have worshipped at St. Catherine's, we still loved that school and said, we'll move. And she saw the people moving equipment after equipment Throughout the conversation, she told me that she appreciates all the spiritual lessons that Samantha is teaching the kids. Her office is right next door to that chapel. People are watching. The neighborhood at St. Catherine is going to wake up this morning and see that our church is not worshiping there. Many of them will wonder why. Perhaps some of the neighbors, they'll be happy. And some of us might be tempted to harbor resentment towards them. Maybe even resentment towards the school for having this mistake. And in the eyes of the world, we have all the right to. But brothers and sisters, let us not settle for that kind of satisfaction. Let us not give up this opportunity. God has given us a divine gospel opportunity. Some of you already are planning the Easter egg hunt for that neighborhood. I encourage all of you to volunteer. Stephen, when he responded to this martyrdom, he wasn't resentful. He wasn't discouraged. He wasn't angry. He fell to his knees, and with a loud voice, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And I'm thinking, how deeply must his heart have been entrenched in love for those people that the last words he says, God forgive them. How does one have that kind of response? He was that united with Christ. You know, that's not the first time we hear those words, God forgive them, for they do not know what they do. But Stephen is quoting what Jesus said a few weeks earlier. When Jesus was on the cross, persecuted, cast out of Jerusalem, cast out of heaven. 
And though he had every right to be resentful towards us, he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. How are we to respond in the way that Stephen does? We have to be that united with Christ. That the very words, the very actions that we produce are the very actions and words that Christ produced. And I pray that's going to be the model for our church. Tertullian said that the blood of the martyrs were the seeds of the church. And this calls us to be willing to die for this gospel. Blood, sweat, tears, devotion, and sacrifice. I don't know how God is calling you to be a part of this church. But whatever it is, I pray that you look and see the words that Christ said when our sins put him there. And he said, forgive them. We're never in control of the circumstances that come upon us. We never will be. But God never holds that against us. He never calls us to be in control of the things that happen to us. He never once in Scripture says, you are in control of what happens to you. But we are accountable to how we respond to these things. We can respond being enraged, discouraged, we can check out. Or we respond the way Stephen did, looking up at heaven, at Christ, and saying, God, to you be the glory. And whoever is watching, may they see that you're the reason why we're still able to worship you and saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. As the praise team comes up, we'll continue with the rest of the service. And the elders last night, we talked, should we postpone everything? And as we prayed over this, we said, no. No. Because the formation of this church is not dependent on a building. It is dependent on Christ and his body, and we are his body. And we are here today. And so we will celebrate. Celebrate that with or without a place that God will call his people to worship him, and he will call more and more others to do so. So join with me as we continue to praise the Lord and celebrate this joyous day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue in worship.